Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. We're recording this about 24 hours or so before the Sheffield United game, so a lot could still change uh, once we've recorded this and put this out. But obviously there's a lot of other talking points other than Villa's, Villa's kick-off to the Premier League season. As always, I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy, and I'm joined by Mark and Andy. What's going on, everybody? Back to business here for another episode of Gather Around the Lamp. I'm Mark Jerebi. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH, but you already know that. And we're also joined by the very, very talented Mr. Andy Bates. Cheers, guys. Nice to be back on. Um, my name's Andy Bates, and you can find me at, at K2 underscore Villa on Twitter. Good to be back, guys. Yeah, we've got a lot to dig into. A lot, a lot's happened over the past week. Um, we'll start with perhaps what people may think is the pinnacle of of this this transfer window, and that's the signing of Emiliano Martinez, who joined uh, Aston Villa from Arsenal on a four year deal, and he looks like the new number one goalkeeper for the foreseeable future of Villa. You know, Dean Smith himself said, said, you know, we moved for Emmy when we saw the opportunities. It's rare to buy a top class goalkeeper who hasn't reached their peak yet. He can, you know, become a key player for the club for the long term. What do you guys make of the Martinez signing? You know, do do you think we've perhaps given up on Tom Heaton too quickly? I know uh, there's been things saying that Dean's not happy with his recovery, uh, or, or perhaps the date that he's due back. But I'll, I'll go to you first, Andy. Do you think Martinez's arrival is, is is firstly warranted, and do you think it's come at the right time? Well, I think I spoke last week about um, Martinez being signed and the fact that it's another goalkeeper that we've signed. You know, we've signed something like, is it six goalkeepers in the last six or seven windows? Which is an awful lot and it's it's an area that we haven't found any stability in whatsoever. Um, I hoped last summer that, 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 that signing of Tom Heaton might sort of see us through two, maybe three seasons of, of him being the number one, um, certainly made a, made a very good start as far as I'm concerned in, in goal. But but I think obviously the injury has has kind of put pay to that, hasn't it? Really, and um, you can't hang your hat on on a, on a on a goalkeeper or any any player that's had the amount of serious injuries. It's not his fault. It's just the way things have have gone for him. So I. I'm I'm pleased about this now. Um, I didn't want to see us just go and get any goalkeeper. Um, we've clearly identified Martinez as being an extremely talented and experienced goalkeeper. He's obviously been at Arsenal a long time and out on loan to, to, to a number of places, but he's really come to the fore in the last season. Um, you know, as... as uh, you know, their number one has been sort of injured and he, he's got his chance and he's looked absolutely fantastic. And I, I think the Arsenal fans are probably a little bit gutted he's gone. 
So I, I'm, I'm very pleased, and I, I do see him being the number one. I think he'll start tomorrow. Um, and all being well, we won't have to buy another goalkeeper for two or three years. So yeah, very happy. What do you reckon, Mark? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I I really like the fact of the age, and Dino's alluded to that. The age of Martinez is is something you can hang your hat on. I, I honestly really do believe that this all comes down to Tom Heaton having some kind of a setback, or maybe he just wasn't recovering, or maybe it was more of a serious uh, injury than than we first thought or we were first told at least. Um, you know, none of us are professional physiotherapists by any means, but like those things can happen. And I said on the last podcast, sometimes you can bounce back from injury better than, you know, other times, but you know, at the age of heat and maybe there was just something Dino was like, this isn't going to work. We need to go get somebody. And I, and I don't want to just get a makeshift, you know, keeper who's, you know, only going to be around and turns into another Kalinich or something like that. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a really, really good signing. It's really solid. Uh, I'm curious to see how he, how, how he plays, how he performs. I think he will perform well, but you know, you still have to get chemistry with that back line. You're still going to have to, you know, listen to Tyra and Minx screaming all over the pitch, which is not a bad thing in any means, but it's just getting used to each other, being around each other more, figuring out how the play style is for, you know, his different center backs and fullbacks that he's going to have in front of him. So I think for the price tag, there's, there's a lot of, you know, other supporters from other clubs kind of laughing at the price tag and like, oh, he had a good eighth of a season or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, you know, he's worth X amount of money. But, you know, for me, it, I, I just keep saying it. It's not my money. Um, and I think it's it's good value for the money that we did uh, actually get him in the door for. Regan, do you think that he's going to be the number one? Do you think that it was a, a, a difference between Heaton being, you know, still a little still a little injured on the rehab? Or is it more of a thing of Nylon? He's not comfortable with Nylon. What are you thinking? I think it's more that he's not comfortable in Ireland. You know, he 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 has shown at times that he is a good keeper. You know, especially in the in the cup run last season. But you know, he he's too much of a liability, and you can't be making as many mistakes as as he has made. You know, he made them in the championship. He's made them in the Premier League. You know, and we we do have almost like a a laundry list of goalkeepers now. So I do expect Nyland to probably leave, and more than likely Kalinic. You know, he had an unfortunate loan spell. Uh, I think he went to Toulouse, um, and and basically rarely played. So I think um, I think our goalkeeping almost core for next season will probably be you know Martinez, Heaton, and Steer. It's likely to to be Martinez, you know, as the number one. Um, with Steer on the bench until Heaton's back. It's it's just whether, you know, Heaton's going to be happy kind of playing second fiddle. I think that's part of the reason why he was available for us to sign last year because of the emergence of, of Nick Pope uh, at Burnley. You know, they had Heaton, Pope, uh, they signed uh, is it, uh, Bailey Farrell or Peacock Farrell or something like that from, from Leeds. They had um, Joe, Joe Hart for a long time as well, didn't they? Well, for a season yeah, or so. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, Jed Steer's obviously a, a more than ample kind of third choice. And really, for me, it only seems as though he's he's had an, a pretty unfortunate injury record. And that's the thing that's ever stood in his, his way of being given shot, uh, given a shot at the number one role. You know, he, he got us up to the league. So I don't think Dean's not happy with him as a keeper. But I, I do think he's almost been reduced to a bit of a likeable backup option. Um, I do think there's probably more to his story at Villa. You know, I think it's not just going to be ended with the kind of stare with Mason Holgate. But you know, what what do you think, Mark? Do you think the Steers just kind of resigned to being a backup, or 
I, I think so. And it, like, it kind of pains me to say that, man, because I'll always remember, you know, that run of games and the stare against Holgate and just some of the heroic things that he did. And I'm not saying he got us promoted all by his own. It was a complete team effort all the way around. But I do like Judd Steer as a person. I really like him as a goalkeeper. Um, you know, you talked about if Heaton was going to be happy that Martinez is coming in the door. But like I, we've we've heard it. That the competition for places is something that Dino definitely wants to instill into this squad. And, you know, for, for as bad as last year was, we were operating on pretty much like a skeleton squad of players. Everybody who watched Villa for more than six weeks knew exactly who the subs were going to be the minute they were going to happen. There wasn't a lot of in and out. You know, he, he might have thrown an extra striker on at the end of a game if he, if he was chasing a game or something like that. But, you know, as far as, as Jed Steer and, and Heaton and, and Martinez, I think that's a fabulous goalkeeping core. I think they'll drive each other, especially, you know, with a coach like Neil Cutler, who's known throughout the game to be able to get the best out of his goalkeepers, um, especially like on a fitness level so you know I'm, I'm, I'm a little a little upset that that Heaton's not you know progressing as well if that's the case but uh you know I, I wouldn't be upset if Jed Steer gets handed a game or two even if it's in a cup competition you know as, as the season unfolds you see you mentioned you mentioned Neil Cutler and this it's it's completely just a random thought that's popped into my head but obviously he's the goalkeeping coach but he's also our set piece coach and and it's something I kind of want want to question you guys about is do do you think we need more specialised coaching at the club, you know, uh, Cutler's obviously known in the game for his his ability as a as a goalkeeping coach, so you know uh, you look at Liverpool they've they've signed a, a throwing coach do we need to hire a set piece coach do we need to kind of have more specialised coaching specialised ability within the coaching staff to get the best of it out of our players. Good, Andy. You can take us yeah, one first. I, 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 I mean, I'm not sure really. I think we've got we we have got an array of coaches, um, all with the title assistant manager. Really, you know, they're uh, and we've got some 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 real sort of talent in in that in that area. The one thing that that I I did want us to do last season really was was to to bring someone in um, to to spend more time with Wesley. I felt like Wesley um, could have could have really used um, a bit of you know maybe a bit of one to one time. You know, I had this idea, this cra- crazy idea, I suppose that um, John Terry could have had a word with Drogba and and got him to come in for a, a few months and work <laughs> with Wesley. Which you know, it sounds a bit mad, but the, I suppose the idea is that you know Wesley, young player. Um, Coming into the into the Premier League and, and a lot of a lot of um, big price tag, you know, on his on his shoulders and, and and that and you know that that that's I suppose the the, the only thing that I, I would say. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, what Cutler's specialism is in terms of being the the set piece coach, um, but maybe he's just he's just very tuned into that. Maybe that's a something that actually a goalkeeper would have. A reasonable insight into is how to how to deliver or how to defend a set piece, and perhaps that's just something he has a particular specialism in, albeit you know not an obvious one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think if you actually look at a, a goalkeeper coach, they you know diagnose for set plays when the uh, you know where the danger areas are at. So if you just flip it around and you th- try to think about it on the other way, I can imagine that being something that can be a positive thing for your footballing club. Um, I don't know if they necessarily need to bring in more specialized coaches. I, I think that 
um, the addition of Craig Shakespeare is going to bring the experience that, that we've talked about. Um, but I, I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look up to see like how many set piece goals that, you know, Lester scored while, while uh, Shakespeare was there, if he had anything to really do with that. But, you know, I think as far as set pieces, I'd like to see Villa get a, a I don't think they'll ever be super, super strong at it, but I would like to see more emphasis on Mings running to the near post. We've seen that work in the past. Use these players for you know what their physical nature actually is, and and we've seen the whole. I mean, we'll talk about the Burton game, but you know that Jack Grealish goal was, was very familiar. If people paid attention to how we actually set up for that corner, it was a it was a very familiar kind of look that we've seen before. So I, I think there needs to be more emphasis on it. I just don't think it's going to be like a very, very strong point of Villas to ever really be good at set pieces. I think we're better, you know, as a fluidity, counter-attacking, you know, use your pace, use your speed, use your guile to, you know, get the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the Burton game, which we'll, we'll, we'll get onto shortly, but you also mentioned Jack Grealish. Um, and he's he's kind of the, the talk of the week, shall we say. You know, he's signed a new deal with Villa, effectively putting to bed the numerous transfer links, uh, of him leaving B6, you know, a five-year contract for the Villa captain now allows him to focus on his football and will potentially keep him at the club until the age of 30. You know, he said himself that he had no idea he was going to, if he was going to start the season um, at Villa as, as, as late as last week, really. Um, but he also said that a phone call with, with owners, Nasef Suiris um, and Wesley Edens and the, the CEO, Christian Perslow, assured him that Villa are headed in a direction that makes him hopeful for his time at his boyhood club. There's obviously probably only obvious answers here, but how do you feel about Grealish being nailed down to a new contract? I'll, I'll come to you first, Mark. I'm delighted, man, and like I think I said it two or three podcasts ago. Me and you talked about it, where I was like, just pay the man, give him, give him verbal assurances. Hey, Jack, we're gonna do all we can to bring some talent into this football club to help you out, so you don't have to feel it's all on your shoulders. You can also use these players as a little bit of a decoy on the pitch, more skillful, skillful players in the side. Not, you know, won't be so much emphasis on just trying to block Jack Grealish out of a game. I think it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. We all know how much the club means to Jack. We all know how much you know Jack means to the supporters. I think it's a, it's a win-win situation. It puts to bed all the constant rigmarole of of the transfer saga. Never really known if he's staying or if he's going. At least for the moment, it appears that he's on board with the project that the owners are working on and Dean Smith and his coaching staffs working on. I'm delighted about it, Andy. I know you're you're absolutely to the moon with it as well. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I you know it's it's such a a great a great thing you know to to get it out of the way as well um, before the start of the season. I did. I did kind of have an idea that I, he might eventually sign a, a, a contract, um, but I expected it to be a bit like last 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 time. Um, wait, wait for the start of the season. Wait for the transfer window to close, and then he can, you know, he can sign sign the contract. You know, which obviously bumps his pay up and puts him in line as the, the, the you know the top earner at the club. But he's to actually do it before. The start of the season, you know, to really put to bed all the, all the transfer talk, all the gossip, um, to shut some of the journalists up that have been continually um, talking about. I mean, I can I can name some names, but I won't. Um, but they've been continually talking about him going, and almost like it's a, some sort of done deal, and and all the rest of it, and it's just proven to be complete nonsense and you know I'm, I'm really pleased about that and the fact that the owners um, have been heavily involved in it 
just shows to me where they're at. They could have they could have cashed in on 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 Jack Grealish, you know, eighty million pound plus. Um, but that's not what they're in it for. They're in it. They're in it to to you know put Villa at the towards the top of the, the the Premier League and maybe in Europe in the next few years. And you don't do that by selling your your talisman and your captain. Um, so it's absolutely tre- tremendous news for the club. And as a season ticket holder, you know, at some point when we can get back to watching games, you know, a p- player like Jack Grealish is, is you, you, you know, you pay to go and watch players like that. There haven't been many where I can honestly say that at, at Villa. Um, but Jack Grealish is someone you look forward to. When you go into a match, you look forward to watching him. And uh, he's just so unique, and it's 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 a great it's a great signing for the club. It's a you know a real statement of intent, and absolutely tremendous. Yeah, it is a real statement of intent, and I think you know it's it's the owners trying to back up their ambitions and and turn Villa into a formidable Premier League force again. You know, I think I think the big issue that we have at the moment is because we were literally at death's door in terms of relegation and until the final, you know, kick of the ball really, um, against West Ham. And it it's going to be hard to bring in that kind of talent if you're kind of struggling or fighting against relegation. If you bring in, you know, I would say the players that we've brought in, you know, this summer have been have been some great players. But you know, if you're finishing tenth, the quality of player that you can bring in then improves, and so on and so on and so on. Um, so it, it is literally just a sustainable building project, really. And and having Jack around at the club uh, does nothing but but absolutely help that moving forwards. Um, we'll move on to the the Burton Albion game. Um, Regan, I just, I just, I just wanted to add one more thing. Yeah, um, Andy just alluded to the fact that that Grealish spoke with Nasif Sarraz and uh, you know one of the owners of Villa, and he he said in an interview, I can't, I think it was a video interview I saw where he spoke about you know he talked with talked with Nasif and was able to talk about things. But just imagine you're Jack Grealish, right, and you have all this transfer talk around you, and you get a Skype or a Zoom call or whatever from someone who has a seven point four billion dollar net worth. And he's he's almost like asking you or, or even to the point of pleading with you to stay at this club. We're going to build something special. Imagine what that would feel to Jack Grealish. I was thinking about that the other day. And I think that really shows for, for Nasef to get on the get on the horn with Jack and be like, hey, listen, you know, we, we want to get this done. I'm, I'm tired of reading it. You know, I, I read the paper, too. I'm not you know, that's not above me. Um, or that's not below me, rather. I just think that's such a special, special thing that that, that that it was talked about from someone who has not only the financial wealth, but also knows that this club needs Jack Grealish to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you, you put it you put it well, um, you know, in the middle of last season in, in terms of, you know, especially on Wes Eden's part, he knows what it's like to to bring uh, a, a talent to the forefront of a club. He did it with, the, I cannot say his last name, but Yanis, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, he's now, you know, multiple year-on-year NBA MVP. He's widely considered one of the best players in the NBA. He's, you know, he's one of those players that are always getting those kind of rumours surrounding them. Um so he knows how to keep those kind of players happy. And you, you wrote that piece, you know, probably eight months ago now, comparing the treatment of Yanis to how Wes and Nasef and, and Christian can, can treat Jack. And, you know, it, it is right. I think 
I think we can give him the kind of superstardom that that he may desire. I don't know whether he does desire, but we can give him that, especially in terms of his profile, just by him remaining at the club. So it, it is it is something that is obviously Wes has experience in, but it's it's just something that's so important that you know the owners were willing to kind of get their hands dirty, as it were. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would like to hear Mark try and pronounce Yanis's name, actually, for us. It, it's Yanis Atatacampo. I believe that's how it's pronounced. There's a lot of T's and there's an N and there's a P at the end of it. It's <laughs> it's really crazy, but you play enough NBA 2K like I have over this uh, this quarantine lockdown period. I, I, st- I start knowing all kinds of stuff about the NBA. Yeah, I just didn't want to refer to him as uh, the Greek freak because he's so affectionately <laughs> Regan, I've, I've heard you I've heard you say his last name before. It's Atatacombo. Giannis Atatacombo. <laughs> let, let me just Google it quickly. Yanis. All right. I know that's I know that's how it's pronounced, yeah, but it I'd is. love that here. But both of you UK yeah. guys take a shot it's at Yanis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> yeah, easy. It's it's not as hard. It it looks a lot more threatening than it actually yeah, is. A very threatening surname. Um yeah. but yeah, we'll move on to the Burton game. Uh you know, Villa dispatched Burton in the second round of the Carabao Cup at the Pirelli Stadium. You know, Dean Smith rolled out a starting eleven with a mixture of, of veterans and, and squad players looking for game time, you know. And it really it didn't start the way that we, we expected. There was an early shot goal as Albion um took the lead literally two minutes into the game you know and then you know twitter was awash with the the, the complaints of Neuland and here we go again and you know it only took two minutes to kind of give us that that feeling uh again villa but there was there was a very specific man of the uh first 45 minutes for for aston villa and that was ollie watkins who scored his debut goal in the 39th minute Jack Grealish drew three men out to the left before he poked a ball through to Neil Taylor, who <laughs> took a while to realise where the ball was after the smartness of Jack's pass, before the Welshman poked a ball across the face of goal for Dean Smith's record signing to bury into the net. How, firstly, how how, how funny was that goal for, for Neil Taylor's, you know, little gaffe where he, he couldn't kind of see the ball until, until he turned his head again? Um... But secondly, how important important is it to see this kind of link up play between Jack and and um, and Ollie, especially with other players getting involved as well going forward? I'll I'll, I'll come to you first, Andy. Oh, it, was, it was a really well worked goal. I mean, it was all about Jack Grealish, really, wasn't it? And um, you know, how how many times have we seen that where it looks like he's sort of running down a blind alley, followed by three defenders and you know, then he just he just sort of does something completely sort of off the cuff, um, and even Neil Taylor wasn't expecting it, perhaps, or he hadn't he didn't realise that he'd already played the ball, and it, it nearly fooled everyone. It could have been uh, it could have been a real a real blooper um, moment, but it, yeah, I mean, it was all about um, Grealish and. I mean, you can't. It's Ollie Watkins' goal, but he he didn't have to do an awful lot, really. Um, you know, and of course there was a similar moment a bit later when when Watkins ended up hitting the bar, wasn't there? And um, you know that he should have really finished that as well. But again, that was all about Jack Grealish, and albeit he's playing against players, you know, good two divisions below, uh, you know, his ability, but. These are the sort of things he's got in his locker, and and it's it's great to see. And 
it's just about, as we've said before, and we've said about the transfers and, and everything, it's about him having that that support around him that are capable of, of, of picking up on these things that he does and, and reading what he's going to do and just making it making life easier for him, really. Um, people he can trust around him to to, to make the most of, of, of what he does. Um, but yeah, it's like superb, superb. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he wasn't the only... Um, Jack, rather, wasn't the only, you know, Villa boy that was impressing. You know, throughout the first and second half, uh, Jacob Ramsey was having an excellent game in his first senior start for Villa. Um you know, he, he did receive a yellow card for a rather rash challenge, but there's been a few claims um, for a new central media uh, mid- media midfielder to come into the ranks this summer. Um, Mark, do you feel that, that Jacob Ramsey could be a cheaper kind of rotational option moving forward, or do you think it's still too early for him? Do you think he needs another loan out? I'm in two minds about it, man, because from what I saw, you know, against Burton, and again, it is against Burton, just like Andy said. You know, we have to, you know, respect the fact of where they are compared to where Villa are. But he did get the start, and he did play what I thought fairly well. I think he showed a little bit of creativity. Yeah, it was a rash challenge. Uh, I believe I was in the, what, 70th minute or something like that. But, you know, I like to see that a little bit. I like to see younger players that have a little bit of grit to them and be able to be creative. You know, so you get, you get a little bit of a, you know, around the way with how, how he likes to play. I would like to see him stay at the club and be a rotational option. Um but, you know, it's just I don't know if he would be the the signing or even like the new player that people would be looking for. I think a lot of people now that we've survived our first season in Premier League, they want Premier League talent to come in. But, you know, you still have a Henry Lansbury, you know, that's waiting around, seeing what's, you know, how, how game time's going to work with that. Um, if Jack ends up getting moved centrally for one reason or another, if that's how Dino wants to play it. You know, does, you know, you have Connor Horahan is probably going to be banging on Dino's door asking for more time on the pitch. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a situation that really only Dean Smith and his coaching staff can, can really get into. But, um, I would like him to stay at the club, but I'm not sure that he would get the appropriate minutes. So it's, I'm, I'm thinking maybe he hangs around for a little bit before the domestic window shuts. As far as loans go, he might get a loan out. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen another, <clears throat> excuse me, another youngster leave on loan. This summer, and that's Indiana Vasilev, who who moved uh, to to Burton, in fact, and I think that I think that's happened quite a, a couple of times now that we've kind of played someone in the second round of the Carabao Cup, and then shortly after we've seen one of our, our young players leave on loan to that specific club. It's almost as if the uh, the manager of Burton Albion kind of went over to Dean and was like, "Yeah, you, you got any youngsters that you fancy?" Uh, loading us for the year, and Dean's like, "Oh yeah, there's this one American kid, Indiana Vasilev." But um, you know, Mark, you're pro- probably best con- uh, best uh, qualified to speak about Indiana Vasilev as as a U.S. national team fan. You know, do do you think uh, Vasilev kind of lived up to the hype around him during his Premier League starts or appearances last year? And and do you think he'll have a, a successful spell at uh, Burton? I think when it comes to a player like Vasilev, especially um, for how much like I hang my hat on him, for how much I like him, I'm always going to be biased towards him. But I don't really think you can get much of a, a gauge of 
of how well he's going to perform going forward or how he develops. I think Burton is a perfect club for him at the moment to go on loan to. And he seems really excited about it in the, in the Burton presser on the, on their official website, he was talking about how he's so excited and he's, he's going to do everything he can to help the club move forward and, you know, not be, not, not be one of the guys that like, I have to play here. He said, I'll play anywhere. He was like, I just, I just want to perform and I just want to do my, do my thing out on the pitch. So I think it's a wonderful loan signing. I don't know if you're going to get much of the, um, much of the goal scoring opportunity there. I was looking at that squad. They kind of have a couple players there that, you know, that are pretty much cemented where they play in the Burton side. So I don't know if he's going to be more of, you know, a central or a, a center forward as much as he might play on the wings. And he might even play as a 10, depending on how they play. They like the, the manager that's there currently likes to switch up his formation a lot. But I'm really excited for Indiana. He, he is, he's earned this. He's earned the, the move to go out and for the first time in a long time, I don't know if you guys can agree with this. I don't see this loan out being one of the Villa players of past where I'm like, okay, well, that's the last time we're going to see him again, you know, because his contract expires and then he's going to be out the door. I feel like this is like now with the academy that we have, with what we've put into the academy, not only financially, but on a coaching standpoint, this will allow the player to develop and it, it develop to be able to come back to Villa and actually have a tangible shot and making that first team. And I, I'm hoping that's exactly what's going to happen for Indiana Vasilev. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree there. I think it is a really good loan for him. Um, I kind of like it. I don't know if this is me being a bit older, but uh, I kind of like it when players go to these local teams. Um, you know, obviously Burton and, and and Warsaw. You know, when we've had players on loan to, to to places like that, I think that's O'Hare went to Coventry, didn't he, last season? Although that was just a. a, a you know, prelude prelude to his uh, his move really, but I'm I'm very pleased to see him go out on loan. I certainly, on the the, the very small um, number of occasions that I, I saw him come on for Villa, he certainly looks like a, a willing runner. A little bit like um, someone like Vyman, perhaps a, a few years ago, that all action type of player. And if he can learn the ropes at Burton, build his confidence and build his, you know, his, his, his sort of sturdiness um, for professional football. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll come back to Villa and have a, have a go at being in the first team because, you know, I think he's got all the attributes. So I'm very pleased with it. Very pleased. I mean, when you put it into perspective, I think the the last two youth players that have made Premier League appearances for Villa were Rashawn Hepburn Murphy, who was kept up kept at the club for a relatively long time following his uh, Premier League performance. Um, obviously, now he's playing in Cyprus, so that didn't really work out. And the other one was Jordan Lydon, who um, suffered many, many injury setbacks, and that's why he he uh, ended up leaving the club. But if Vasilev can can stay fit, you know, I can't see any reason why they'd look at. Vasilev and think, oh, you know, he's he's been good enough to appear for us in the Premier League. Why we're just going to let him go at the end of this season? I can't see it happening um, personally, but you, you never know with with the Villa youth system what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, back back to the Burton game, uh, and Jack had seemingly won the tie with an 87th minute edge of the box volley following Henry Lansbury's corner. His shot bounced into the ground as he stroked it into the Burton goal. You know, a new contract, a game-winning goal in the same day, and you know he, he's almost building his legend with each passing game. You know, personally for me, I think he's 
granted we've got all the, the the European Cup winners, but he's he's one player that's kind of I think would perhaps deserve a statue outside Villa Park should we win a piece of major silverware. You know, you look at you look at um Arsenal's ground and you've got the likes of Henri and Bergkamp outside the statues. If we win a major a major piece of silverware while Jack's still at the club and while Jack's captain, I can't see a reason why there wouldn't be a statue for him. You know, the the only statue outside Villa Park is of Willa, William McGregor. We don't have any player statues. I think I think possibly. Yeah, I mean for for Sorry. Yeah, I, it, no, not to cut you off Andy. I, I was just saying um Regan, I I can't remember the exact uh, title of the article that you wrote, but it, I believe it was the day after we, we stayed in the league. And I think the title was something like, I will tell my grandchildren or my children stories about Jack Grealish. And it's a beautiful article for anybody that goes back and checks it out. But I mean, that that's more for you guys because you guys are local. I mean, for me, you know, I the history of Aston Villa that I know, I think there might be one or two that might be more deserving of a uh, of a statue before him, but I really don't know the rules when it comes to that sort of thing, and I'm not afraid to admit that. So go, go ahead, Andy. That's all you, buddy. I, I think it's a difficult issue, isn't it? Statues, and I think there'll always be someone you, you could put. A, Villa could win the league and um, and the European Cup with Jack Grealish as captain, and someone would have an issue with us putting a statue up. Um, I think, in terms of this idea of club legends. Club heroes, icons, you know, cult cult heroes. However, you like to to phrase it, um, he's got a very very good chance of of putting himself alongside some of those European Cup winners. Um, he's not quite there yet, but he's he's certainly um, got it in him. I think to do that. Like I said before, he's an absolute joy to watch. You know. It, Besides from any of his assists or goals, just the way he he manipulates the ball and the way the the way he moves with the ball is 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 just it's silk. It's it's incredible. Um, I've never seen a player like that. So yeah, he's he's. I don't know about statues, but certainly in that in that uh, sort of upper upper echelon of of Aston Villa heroes and legends, he's certainly got a chance of that. Particularly if he stays. I think you know for for me he's I I've certainly not seen it down the villa especially but I've never seen a, a player captivate such a such a wide part of the fan base you know you'll have you'll have people that you know went to went to Rotterdam you'll have people that you know saw us in the 50s and the 60s and whatnot and They'll be sitting there thinking, you know, or or saying, you know, Jack Grealish is is an absolute generational talent. Um, you have, I, I, the, I, the way I put it is to almost to like David Beckham at Manchester United. It, it's almost that level of iconic for me. How many places do you see kids and fully grown men in the stands? That have copied a player's haircut because of how big he is at the club. You know what I mean? He's he's that level of kind of icon for yeah. me at this club. You, you'll see people of any age with Grealish ten on the back of their shirt. You'll see people from the age of five to the age of forty with that slick back haircut. And you know, it's suit, it probably I would say it probably suits the the younger generations more than the the yeah. older ones. But there's no chance of me having that. I tell you, <laughs> but um, you know, I think. 
you look at Gabby. He he's our all-time leading Premier League goal scorer, but he's I don't think he's anywhere nearly on the same level as as Jack in terms of what he could what Jack could go on to be at, at this club. And you know we've got another five years of him hopefully at the club. And I I just think should we win an FA Cup? Should we win? You know, God forbid the league or or something like that. I just think it has to be. He's on the side of the stadium. Just give him a bloody statue. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think he's he has got a way to go, and I think, but he's he's well on the way. And like you say, it's that it's that iconic nature. Um, that obviously that the, the hair, the the socks rolled down. He's got a, st- a style of all of his own, hasn't he? Um, I, I wonder whether some of the interest from Man United. You mentioned David Beckham is is around that marketability. He's certainly a very marketable. Uh, figure for for any club, and if if a player like that was doing well at Man United or, or a big club like that, he'd be he'd be marketed all around the world. There's there's no question about it. But he may, if he can continue um, with his England career and continue to hopefully end up becoming a starter for England and playing in the Euros. I mean, his 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 marketability will go through the roof. I think he's he's just got that iconic kind of nature about him and the way he plays so it is people liken him to Gaza and that's that's absolutely correct he is absolutely in that mold and um you know Gaza didn't have anywhere near the marketability of Jack but he's he's certainly um it was certainly done you know and and it was certainly a big thing so Jack's potential can 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 go through the roof in my opinion Absolutely. Um, it was another of, of our kind of academy graduates. Granted, he didn't come through uh, from from a young age. We signed him from Biggleswade Town. But it was another academy graduate that, that stepped up and wrapped up the game in stoppage time. Um, it's Keenan Davis. He beat Burton's offside trap before racing into the box and calmly finished past uh, Sharman Lowe in the Burton net. You know, it was great to see Keenan score a goal personally. Um you know, especially after some of the missed chances uh, post lockdown last season, but you know, it, it, it it's it's one of those things. That hopefully, you see him kind of push on from here. Mark, what what were your feelings about Keenan's goal, and and do you think he could potentially push on? Well, Regan, you know this, but the the listeners won't know this. But I was actually um, the victim of of a surprise barbershop visit. Uh, my my girlfriend. Uh, she set up a, a an appointment for me and surprised it is kind of like a gift thing, like a really nice, like kind of higher end barber. Um, she didn't know that the Villa played that day. So I was kind of just getting little clips when I could on the ESPN app. I was just watching it when I could. So I'm actually in the car driving back whenever Keenan scores this goal. And I let out a sound that you would think that like I was in pain because I really <laughs> like Keenan Davis and I love the fact that he scored a goal and I hope it gives him all the confidence in the world. Um, I, I hope that, you know, when he is included, if he is included this year in the Premier League side, that he does really well. Um, you know, there's there's rumblings, I believe I read from Ashley Priest that um, Davis is looking for more time on the pitch and he wants to stay at Villa. If that's the case, that's going to be down to Dean Smith to make sure he gets those minutes or might see him go off on loan for a half season or even before the se- you know, before we get into the thick of the, the season here. But I just I like Keenan Davis. I know that he's 
oh, I'm about to use a British phrase. He's kind of like Marmite. Did I use that right? <laughs> yeah. Did I use that right? That's it, yeah. Right, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been hearing it for years. I might as well give it a shot and try to use it once, right? So, um, But I know that it's either like people really, really like him and they think he, he can impact a game and he can change the course of a game as a sub or the people think that it's just not his level and he's not going to cut it. I like Keenan. I, I, he's... Love to see him smile on the pitch. Love to see him with the hold-up play. He's physical. I think he just brings a little bit different dimension than a lot of other players that we have at the club right now. Anyone else think that maybe, maybe this might kicks him off into to good graces? Well, I, I did a piece um, last week about Keenan um, when the rumours came out that perhaps he might go on loan. Um, no, not, not that he was going on loan, that he might get a two-year extension to his contract. Um, and I quite like the idea of giving him an extension to his contract because he's in a position where he's got one year to go. Um, I think he's due for a loan. I definitely, I don't think he's going to get many minutes at Villa. I think it, it could be a wasted season for him potentially. So I think it's a good thing for him to go on loan. But you don't want him to then get to the end of his loan spell and and to just leave. I think he's got enough about him to really develop with a season on loan. And if he could get into um, scoring more goals, because that's definitely his problem, is is in front of goal. And I know he scored the other night, but you know, he, he definitely his problem is confidence in front of goal, and 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 even his movement at times is you know he's 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 not really in the right place um, in the same way that perhaps someone like Tammy Abraham would be. Um, so I think if he could develop that in the championship, no lower than the championship by any means, um, get some a number of games under his belt and come back, hopefully a more confident striker next season. Um, or you've, if he if not, then you've you've got a bit more um, security, I suppose, to be able to 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 sell him on rather than him just leaving. So I, I like the idea of him uh, going on loan. I think that's his big issue is is his confidence. You know, I think he gets himself into goal scoring positions and he, he gets other people into goal scoring positions, but I just think he, he suffers with the, that lack of confidence. And, you know, you've seen James Bree um, say it before he moved to Luton this summer that under Steve Bruce, you know, he said, I play my best football when I've got a consistent run of games in the squad. Um, and you know, even post lockdown, it was a very chop and change between Davis and Samata. People were saying that Samata, not Samata, sorry, Davis was on fire in training. He was netting everything, but as soon as he's in the game, he he was struggling. And then you know the next game you see Samata, and then Davis's confidence had begun again. I think you know for me, he's got shades of Emil Heskey. He's a great player to have to hold up the ball, bring on late in the game if you if you kind of trying to close out a win. Um, but he's not that natural kind of finisher, and it, it may be a confidence thing, but it is something that he needs to work on. Um, obviously, there was the rumours that he could be offered that two-year extension, and there's rumours that that other players are, are in the running for new contracts as well. And that's Tyrone Mings and John McGinn. You know, tying Tyrone Mings down on a five-year deal um, would keep him at the club, I think, till he's 32, 33, um, and you know he'd be absolutely right in his prime at that point um, 
And with John McGinn, that one is the one that I can't see as much just because he signed a, a five-year deal last summer. Um, but I think some of these rumours are coming out because of the higher earners joining the club, the likes of Martinez, the likes of um, new signing Bertrand Traore, who we'll get onto shortly. And I think they have clauses in their contract that they, they kind of are close or match the highest earners because they're such integral parts of our squad. Um, but, you know, it's incredibly smart business to to secure and appease the talent that are such kind of integral staple parts of, of how Villa play. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on keeping, you know, or tying down McGinn and Mings for the long term, Mark? I mean, it's everyone knows I love to talk about the Villa, obviously, but sign them up. You know, you're probably a little right with the McGinn thing because... You know, he was just he was just given a contract and everything. But like we, we keep hearing about, you know, we keep hearing wage structure. We keep hearing it over and over again. And the only way to increase your wage structure, to increase the amount of money you can spend on players, is to stay in the Premier League. Villa did that last year, and the, you know, granted it was 17th and it was ugly at times, and then you know it was angry, and you know so, some of us came out of that season with a little less hair on the top of our heads. But <laughs> now that we have, sorry, Andy, that wasn't a job to Regina. <laughs> sorry, brother. But, but 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 honestly, like you stay in the Premier League, you keep getting money, the club gets more revenue. You know, I think a big thing for Villa is getting fans back in the door. Um, you know, and that's that's just a, a football problem right now. But you know, obviously, that's going to help because if you if you now know that games are being uh, played behind closed doors and you're able to adjust all your finances to you know kind of deal with that, and now when fans come back in, get get more money. That's it's it's very very simple to me. Um, so by by business standpoint, that'll help out. Staying in the legal help out. Um, you know, it's probably asking a little too much right now or in the next, you know, next season, maybe next couple of seasons. Getting into Europe would be amazing. That's a dream. I would love to see Villa do that. But, you know, we're all talking about long term and, you know, getting money in the door and wage structure. So think about all those things. You're going to need a core group of players. We've heard Dean Smith talk about it almost until he's blue in the face. If that core group of players is Jack Grealish, who's now been signed, John McGinn, who's been signed, I believe it was last year, and you want to, you know, slap a, a lengthy contract on Tyron Mings. I think that's a positive thing for Aston Villa Football Club. Andy, can you can you envision a better core of players to give long term contracts to? No, absolutely. I'd actually add Douglas Luiz to that as well. Um, I think he he proved that he's going to be a real integral part of the the team this this coming season, and hopefully, you know, maybe for a couple more. But obviously, there's the Man, the Man City thing which which looms over us um, with Douglas Luiz. But um, I, I I would. I would advocate to, to to be bringing the core group of players' salaries up the longer they stay in the Premier League. The thing with the holding on to players is you have to give them less reasons to want to go. So this is where Arsenal have struggled holding on to players. You know they they, they haven't been able to match the kind of wages that Man City. And Chelsea and so on have, have have been offering, so players have less reason to to want to stay at Arsenal, and they they can't tie them down. And I know they've signed Aubameyang this this week as well um, on a long term on a on a, a new contract. Um, but we don't want to get into that where we're worrying about players and, and clubs just coming in and doubling doubling Mings's wages, for example, and and off he goes kind of thing. Um, I have to say though, I think I think Mings and McGinn um, 
I actually think they would have stayed even if we'd gone down. I think they would have taken it on themselves to, to want to bring the club back up. I think they're those type of characters, um, particularly after, obviously, McGinn had had that, that injury. But you've, you've got to have that nucleus. And and they're quite rightly, they, they should be the highest paid players at the club, you know, um, so, and particularly Grealish, but, but also McGinn and Mings because um, they are the core, the core group of... of uh, the leaders at the club, so absolutely sign them up. Yeah, and I, I spoke about this um, in an in an article a couple of weeks back, and I think I mentioned it in the last po- podcast that it's it's almost like uh, NSWE our owners are are kind of prepping for a new type of five year plan. You know, we we heard all about the five year plan under under Tony Jar to get out of the Championship and into Europe within five years, and then we were going to have roller coasters around Villa Park, and you know, a, a football museum and a football city, and all all this stuff that he was planning. But you know, you just have to look at the things that are happening at the club. Jack Grealish signs a five year deal. Matty Cash joins, signs a five-year deal. Ollie Watkins joins, signs a, four, a five-year deal. Uh, Emmy Martinez joins, signs a four-year deal. Uh, Bertrand Traore joins, signs a four-year deal. Mings and uh, McGinn. Uh, McGinn's obviously got four years left on his deal. Mings will probably sign a five-year deal. And it, it's just to say, we've got the faith in you that we can get to the point where we want to be in five years and and we're expecting you to do that and and we're going to pay you to do that, you know? And, you know, that's not to say we're going to rest on our laurels. You'll see maybe three years down the line, should we stay in the league? Should we continue to kind of progress? You'll see that the likes of, you know, the, the, the quality of players that are coming in, let's say when Mings has got two years left on his deal, is going to improve. Um, but it, it's about keeping that core together for as long as possible. You know, you'll see it at other clubs as well. Look at look at Spurs, for example. I'm sure that uh, Hyunmin Son and Harry Kane and uh, Deli Ali and and Hugo Lloris are all all on similar lengths of contracts because they're integral parts of the squad. And you know, as keeping Spurs as as, a, as an example, you're not gonna go out and sign. Um, you know, a new a new out and out striker to replace Harry Kane. You're gonna sign a striker that's gonna be able to complement him and back him up should he get a long term injury again. And and you know, we'll, you'll see that at Villa. We sign a centre back, it's not gonna be Mings's replacement, it's not probably not gonna be Conta's replacement, it's just gonna be there to challenge him. And I think that's the way that the club's operating moving forward. Uh, but yeah, we've mentioned Bertrand Traore, so let's talk about him. Bertrand Traore yesterday signed for Aston Villa. Um, you know, it, it said on the, the club website that it, the signing had kind of happened on Friday, but it wasn't announced until Saturday. Um, he's joining on a four-year deal for what is believed to be a £17 million base fee with £2 million in add-ons, and Leon are owed 15% of any future fees, I believe. Um, that information came from Leon's website themselves, so you know Villa wanted to keep it undisclosed, but maybe uh, th- these kind of gentlemen's agreements don't mean much in, in France. Um he signed subject to international clearance and he'll undoubtedly bring a bit of trickery, a bit of pace to Dean Smith's Villa side. But it is a bit of a curious case. I wrote a very long, in-depth article about Troy and how kind of he's a bit of an enigma um, in terms of our transfer business just because he's not 
kind of one of those players that you kind of go, oh, you know, he's he's earned this move almost. He's a player out of favour at Leon, and there's a specific reason for that, and it's just it's just not fitting into the system that their manager's using. Um, Leon fans evidently seemed like they couldn't wait to see the back of him, uh, but more so than anything, that really signals that a player needed a change of scenery. Uh, Andy, what what are your thoughts on Traore joining? Are you are you excited? Are you curious? What what are the feelings there? I think all of the above. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's always exciting when when you sign a player, and and we are, you know, entering those towards the sort of twenty million pound mark and and above now for for, for a lot of our signings, and it is exciting, and he, he does have pedigree. You know, he's played for for Chelsea, Ajax, Leon. Um, he he has got that pedigree, and I think this didn't the season before he he scored quite a lot of goals for for, for Leon, I believe, and he was far more productive, I think. Um, and for whatever reason, I think then they've they've had a change of manager or, or structural system, and and he's fallen by the wayside. Um, I'm not overly interested in what other teams fans think of players I know it's nice when they come with uh, glowing references from the supporters but it, it doesn't overly bother me um, you know plenty of players move clubs and you know the, the, the club are, or the fans are, are glad to see them go and, and they do well they go on and kick on and do well um, we'll just have to see um, They've all, the, the recruitment side have obviously picked up some uh, strengths that he has that that, that we can utilize and that we can we can coach and improve um and and that's what I like he's not just we're not just signing him because he's available I believe we're, we're signing him because they, they feel that that they can get get something out of him and he he can offer us something that we don't have already so um I'm 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 intrigued. I'm yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he brings. Um, I don't know whether he'll play tomorrow night, um, but I'll imagine he he'd, he'd be in the starting eleven for for Bristol on Thursday, and it'd be be, be great to see him. See what he's got. Yeah, he he fell out of favour at Leon because they he was uh, it was his first season after his move um, to Leon, and he was played mainly as a kind of centre forward. Um, he had an exceptional season. Scored, I think, nearly twenty goals in that season. Uh, picked up a number of assists. Um, and then they had a change of manager and Silvino came in. And it, it was a bit of a torrid time for Silvino. Probably compare it to Di Matteo's time in charge uh, of Villa. Um, and and then they brought in a Rudy Garcia. And, and Rudy Garcia literally... It was, one, it was one of those things. He came into the club and said to Traore, he's not really in his plans. He changed the system around. Uh, you know, He turned uh, Maxwell Cornet, a winger, into a wing-back. And, and Traore just wasn't interested in, in kind of changing his game that way. And, and therefore, he just wasn't in, in the manager's plans moving forward. It was mainly last season uh, a substitute for the last 10 minutes to kind of add a bit of uh, you know attacking input into, into a game or, or to try and... You know, bring a bit of pace to the defense, maybe. But realistically, he's a he's a good signing. I think. I think he'll prove a lot of people wrong. I think. I think too many people do read into into what's said on social media and so forth. What are your thoughts about it, Mark? 
I, I think intrigues the, the best word to use for me. Um, yeah, everyone's, uh, if you, if you are able to get hit the translate tweet on social media, the, the Leon fans seem like they, they can't wait to see the back of them. Um, I saw one, I wish I could find it. I, I, I should have looked this up earlier and we'd be able to attach it to the podcast and never repost it. But, um, someone, it might've even just been lost in Google translation, but I clicked the button and I, the first thing I saw was messy. I was able to obviously, you know, see messy. So I click translate tweet and it says, uh, good good riddance or good good to say goodbye or something like that and then it said he has the left foot of messy but the right foot of a of a chair or sofa or something like that which i thought was pretty funny but worried me a little bit so i i just think there's now this intrigue about like is his right foot really that bad? I probably don't think it actually is. I think it's probably due to the way he was playing when he was out of favor for the manager. But yeah, just really intrigued, really curious to see how he kicks on. I think it's a wonderful addition. Um, just just curious to see how it translates in the Premier League. It looks like he's he's going to play as a kind of inverted right winger, isn't he? Or right-sided attacker. Yeah, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of like yeah. di- diagonal cuts in from the, the right yeah. to, you know, cut inside and maybe find a, you know, a dragon center mid coming up the, the middle or even try to find Jackie coming off the left. I I think he has the ability to, to do exactly what Dean Smith has been looking for. Um, it's just a shame that, you know, it took us 17th on the last day of the season to now be able to find that. I, I think he really thought he was going to get that out of Trezeguet or Ogazi. It just never came off. Yeah, I do expect Trezeguet to uh, to kind of start the season, perhaps. I don't think we'll see Traore too too early into the season. Yeah, maybe against uh, Bristol in the Cup, but I do expect uh, Trezeguet to start against Sheffield United. And speaking about Sheffield United, Aston Villa kick off their Premier League season against the Blades. And, you know, it, it is a challenge to start the season. They'd like to put, uh, put a, a, you know, a foot right after a largely disappointing project restart for for the blades um you know what relatively quickly guys what are your predictions for this game i'm i'm personally feeling like we're going to see a couple of new signings probably i'm not too sure about cash but i think i think we'll see watkins i think we'll see martinez um and i'm going to go for a villa win i'm going to go for a 2-1 villa win uh, I'll come to you first, Mark. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to stay positive. I know that Sheffield didn't have the greatest finish to their season and, and things like that, but I think Chris Wilder, I, I've said it before on the podcast, it should come as no surprise. I think he's a great manager. I think he, he's a man motivator. He's a little bit old school. He's not afraid to put you know, uh, the, the tip of his boot in some kidneys whenever they, they need to happen. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would love to see a, a, a 2-1 Villa win, but I wouldn't be upset if it ends up being a 1-1 draw or anything like that. Andy, what do you got? I think we'll win. Um, I'd like to win comfortably and put put all that uh, ghost goal nonsense behind us. Um, but in terms of the team, I think I think all, I think the three signings Martinez, Cash, and Watkins will all start. Um, and uh, I guess Concer and Concer and Mings target will play left back. Um, and I think the team pretty much picks itself again. Like you, Regan, I think I think Trezeguet will, will start um, off the right as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think we'll hopefully win. Yeah, I'll take a two or three nil. I'm going to go 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 positive. A um, couple of goals from Watkins that'd be nice. It sounds good. And I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. We'll be back with you soon, uh, probably after. 
probably after the uh, I can't remember who we're playing <laughs> next Monday. Who are we playing next Monday? Oh, geez, here we go. Fulham. Yeah, Fulham. Fulham. Okay. Yeah, it's Fulham. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll probably come back uh, with another podcast after the Fulham game. We'll have three games to discuss then. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please give us uh, your reviews, your thoughts on on whatever platform you're listening on and on social media. You can follow us on our Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook uh, forward slash under a gaslit lamp and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. As always, thank you ever so much for listening and up the villa.